0: You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. That stadium is going to be rocking, and heaven help whoever walks in there to play us.
1: Sustained, effort, and violence, you play your ass off.
0: You're watching The Pirate Preview on The Sports Objective. Join us every Tuesday night on YouTube Live as we're joined by beat writers and other media members we take a look at what lies ahead for the Pirates. Now, here are the guys.
2: Here it is, a first
3: down. Pirates. Welcome in to the Pirate Preview here on the Sports Objective. Glad to be with you tonight as we got a big game on Saturday at 4 o'clock on ESPNU. And that's East Carolina hosting Marshall. Very special game. For obvious reasons, Bubba Rosenbaum. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing. I'm doing well, Dave. Hope
3: you are. I am Matt Semenza, who of course played the linebacker, middle linebacker for the Pirates in the Logan era. Man, how are you?
4: What's up, guys? Just uh, always excited to have the opportunity to play Marshall. This is always a fun game. It's a it's a great rivalry. It's a great matchup. It's a it's a team that you know, I know we have a lot of respect for. And it seems like every time these two teams meet on the field, it's going to overtime or it's coming down to the wire in some way. So looking forward to catching up with Keith tonight.
3: Well, what a special guest. He's been with us uh really all the way close to the beginning. I believe 19, 2019 uh, was the first time we had him on, but glad to have him back, one of our favorites.
1: Yeah, been on Thanks. the show several times, but um, yeah, glad, glad to have him back once again. Uh, even though it's been a while and uh, Keith uh, welcome back.
2: Thank you Bubba. Thanks Dave. Thanks Matt. Glad to be here. I, I uh, as you know have a soft spot in my heart for Greenville and uh, ECU and all the nice things that people have done uh, down, the, down the years over the years down there and uh, so looking forward to the visit on Saturday and like you guys mentioned it's uh, it's it, it, I don't know if rivalry is the right word because right word, they don't play every year but man when they do there's a lot of passion and and certainly a lot of respect for each other's programs. And, and I like that, you know, it's not name calling. It's not, you know, normal kind of, uh, you know, rivals that are, that are kind of hate each other. This is a different kind of game. And, and I like, uh, I like that they play. I think it's fantastic.
3: In fact, we saw just right before we started the show in the green room, I was telling you, I just checked It's uh in two years, I couldn't remember like you it's uh, September 25. We come back to Huntington and uh, looking forward to maybe Bubba, we can, uh, we can all go up there like we tried to a couple of years ago. I, I know it fell through for us, but uh, that's definitely on my bucket list for obvious reasons. Uh, great movie, We Are Marshall. If you don't know what we're talking about, I know Keith. You did an excellent documentary. Um, that's been well, how long? That's that been a few years ago, right? Twenty twenty. Yeah, th- yeah, that was twenty twenty
2: on the on the fiftieth uh, anniversary of the tragedy. And um, thank you. Uh, really met you know some great people down there putting that together. You know Richard Peeler and Rusty Scales and. Jim Creets, guys who had played in that game in 1970 for East Carolina, a story which we kind of had never told, and they, uh, you know, they were so giving of their time and their their memories of that game and how it even affects them to this day. So that was just part of what I wanted to do. But that was uh, that was the COVID year. But uh, thank you. It was uh, very, um, I don't know, fulfilling is the right word, but it was just some a project that really. Uh, I wanted to be a part of, and, and our people here let us go where we needed to go, and uh, we had a, a great visit in Greenville and loved loved having the opportunity to tell that side of the story from, from ECU's perspective, too.
0: Keith, I don't know if, uh, if you'll know the answer to this. This is Kyle, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. joining the show a few minutes late, but uh, this is probably a better ca- question for East Carolina Athletic Director John Gilbert, but it, have you heard anything up there about um, the 2020 game never got played Mm-hmm. Have you heard anything about that being rescheduled for Greenville? I, I would think, you know, I don't know what our schedules look like for 2030 for each school, but uh, I think playing it on the, on the uh, 60th anniversary would uh, make a lot of sense.
2: Oh, I agree with you, Kyle. I, I have not. I will ask uh, Christian Spears, Marshall's AD, about that. You know how scheduling goes and, you know, when you're out of conference and you're looking at future dates, but I, you know, I know that the people up here have great respect for the program. I know that folks down there do as well, and you know, why not play it? they are two similar programs that, that love their football. And uh, I just think, you know, we we obviously can't see this game every year because of conferences and that kind of thing. But, man, as much as you can play it or if you can play it every three or four years, I think that's great. And I think people appreciate it. I think they really do.
0: Yeah, and hold the phone to that conference thing and not seeing it every year. By 2030, it might be, we might be <laughs> in the same league
2: again. It could change next week the way things are going, right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, Keith, you take a look at this matchup on this series. Uh, I think this will be the 17th meeting between the Pirates and Thundering Herd. The eighth in Greenville, Marshall. um, You know, surprisingly, on one hand, you know has has never won in Greenville 0 and 7, but um, there definitely have been plenty of thrillers. Uh, I think at least three or four of those games in Greenville have uh, kind of come down to the wire, Um, and. Take a look at the most recent game, which is hard to believe that it's been since 2012 that these programs have met in Greenville. Uh, that one, that one was one for the ages, 65 to 59.
2: <laughs> yeah, I remember that one going into overtime and thinking this is this is nuts. And uh, two great offenses, of course, that day. The defense is probably uh, uh, would like to to have a redo on those. But uh, yeah, I, I just and I think I I started coming down. I came in and I believe in '06 when they you know the movie was coming out and they dedicated that beautiful plaque there on the uh, visitor side of the stadium and uh i have been to the each game since that had been in greenville and of course the ones in huntington and and you know i've seen chris johnson play and i remember uh i remember him up here uh turning the corner against Marshall and i'm th- and thinking to myself and i i watched randy moss play and i said man that's about the fastest cat i've i've ever seen in this stadium i mean he was so fast and then come to find out what he did at the uh Uh, at the combine and then later in the NFL. So it's got, you know, great players, great history. Um, You know, the the thing I always tell people, you know, with the history of the program and the tragedy is, is that's the same stadium. The footprint is still exactly the same. Now, obviously the the improvements at Dowdy Ficklin are unbelievable. To me, it's like a mini sec atmosphere. And I asked some of the Marshall players about that today. And uh, one of the guys, Trent Holler used to play uh, at ECU and now he starters, he starts on the offensive line for Marshall. And he said I'd, he had told some of the Marshall players that haven't been down there, what to expect, but yeah, that, that, you know, the improvements to the stadium are obvious and it, it's a tremendous atmosphere, but that same stadium sits exactly the same spot where, you know, Marshall and ECU battled in 1970. So there's a lot of symmetry to this series and it's, it's uh, really looking forward to watching it. I just think it always lives up to the hype.
0: Keith and present day um, as we look at things and, Again, I, I joined late, so forgive me if this has already been talked about. Um, but the uh, the Albany game this past weekend, uh, I watched a lot of that on ESPN Plus. Um, you know, yeah, Ali looked fantastic. Um, I I um, what I got from Marshall out of that ball game is they had a very basic game plan. They wanted to run tempo, and they wanted to run Ali. I don't think they really showed a lot of their offense against Albany it almost cost them they were able to <laughs> to to, uh, to get by with it but uh it, it, would you concur with that were they hiding a lot
2: I, I think so they wouldn't tell you that openly right Kyle but um you know they do have a really good quarterback that Albany quarterback was a real deal Reese Poffinbarger. Uh, he can run and he can throw and they knew that going into the week but i yeah, i don't think they
0: thought... I, I saw I, 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 <laughs> that that would be my game plan right now Mason Garcia and Flynn can both run i'd be doing a lot of zone read against you guys
2: yeah i mean he he got out the gate there a couple of times and um and he's effective throwing the ball on the run but um you know in that game it was kind of weird the first play from scrimmage where Ali went 73 yards uh, one of the receivers got a holding call after Ali was 10 yards past him so that would, you know, that would have made it seven-nothing from the get-go, and who knows what kind of momentum that changes. But, you know, they go to halftime down three zip. And at one point they're down 17-7 in the third quarter. And the fans were getting restless. And then they did start running some tempo and, and uh you know doing doing uh you know quickening the pace a little bit, which I think they probably thought they wouldn't have to do, but it worked. And uh they got the win. And as Coach Huff said today, they're, you know, half the teams in college football would like to be 1 and 0 right now. So he's not going to apologize for the loss, but he did say they needed to work on a lot before they head down to play the pirates for sure.
1: That's something last night on Inside ECU Athletics, you know, which is the name of Mike Houston's weekly
2: <clears throat>
1: weekly show uh, at Tiebreaker's Sports Bar there in Greenville. And coach Houston certainly uh, thought that uh, you know, that the herd were was definitely holding some things back and kind of alluding to what Kyle was saying.
2: Yeah. And and you know what, Bubba, they have, and coach Huff is reminded of this of us, of this throughout preseason camp. And after the game, they've got 40 new players on the roster. So some of that is seeing who meshes where and, you know, making sure everybody's in the right spots. And and that's part of the growing pains when you have new players in the transfer portal. And so, uh, you know, some of that's to be expected, but, Again, uh, he understands that they have that same kind of effort Saturday. They will not come out of there with a win. So, uh, I think that players, even one of them even admitted today that they overlooked Albany a little bit. So, you know, when you do that, um, it's a little different than going up to the big house and and you got to play Michigan on game one as opposed to having Albany in your house. So, yeah, those are two different sets of circumstances. And so, we'll see. It's always fun to see what happens from week one to week two, and we'll see with that uh, on Saturday. How How, how, how was was –
4: I think I think that's why I found the line so fascinating in this game mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I think you have two teams when you really look here who I think both teams underperformed last week. I think both teams were, you know, pretty vanilla on offense and were probably holding things back. Um, which always surprises me when coaches do that. But I, I think that's fair to, to say here. But you know, I was I was very surprised. You know, initially it was a I want to say it was a pick 'em game, and now the line has shifted to Marshall minus three. So I don't know how you, Keith, what were your thoughts on that when you saw that? Was that? I
2: saw that Sunday and I, I just, I, in fact, I remarked to one of my family members. I said, Marshall's favored by a point and a half. That, that did surprise me. Uh, a couple of reasons and history, you know, that coaches say it never matters, but they haven't won down there. Uh, East Carolina did play Michigan. Uh, the defense obviously held Blake Corham and that running attack, uh, you know, below its expectations. And the fact that Marshall kind of struggled, you know, I, that that did surprise me. And I'm, you know, those guys are normally close or dead on, but we'll see on Saturday. I, I think, uh, I think it's gonna. I, I got a feeling, maybe I'm wrong, that it'll be somewhat of a defensive battle, but we'll see. I, I uh, that did shock me too a little bit.
4: Yeah, it's gonna be close either way. I mean, I thought it. I thought for sure I could have seen a, a Pickham game or just minus mm-hmm. one either way. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be very interesting.
0: Matt, did open as a pick'em. It went to it went to minus one and a half in Marshall's favor really fast. Briefly went to minus one East Carolina, then then it stabilized at minus three Marshall. If you go look at the line history, but I um I am curious what the reaction is up there to the quarterback play. Um, your your quarterback started uh, basically the second half, or at least the last third of your season last year.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, he came
0: out and played against Albany. Um, you, you got the transfer from Rice, also, if I remember right. When mm-hmm, J.T. Daniels mm-hmm. came in down there, it, it, it is is um I, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on your quarterback's name right now. Is he uh, Cam Fancher, Yeah. Is, is mm-hmm. he is he solidified as the starter, or is he still up for debate?
2: Uh, I mean, I, Coach Huff uh, raved about him. You know, in the preseason camp, said he's matured and and uh, you know has a better command of the offense. Um, you know, he did throw for 268 yards, I think, which kind of was a quiet 268. He, you know he, he has been five and one of the starter and i think that's what coach huff is is talking about you know he uh he did what he had to last year they won their last five games and I, I think it sometimes you know the old saying the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know but marshall fans are a little uneasy about the way things were going on offense so i don't know how this will all progress i do know fancher got better as the year went on uh but you know we'll see um if they can, uh, you know, find some down downfield throws that they didn't have against Albany, um, he's very mobile. He can run it too, and he didn't do a whole lot of that on Saturday. So, uh, you know how you know what they call it—overreaction Monday on on uh, yeah. Saturday after college football. Everybody's got their, you know. I I was uh, I was uh, thinking about last year when Marshall went out beat Notre Dame right game two of the season, and everybody's got him winning the Sun Belt. Next week they lost to Bowling Green, and everybody says you know they're going to have a losing season. So. You know how football is; it's crazy, but uh, w- we'll see which team shows up for both both squads on Saturday. But I, I never put too much stock in one game or, or one win or one loss.
0: No, I agree with you. I, I was, you know, I, I initially had that reaction, watching the game against Albany and said, "Well, maybe Marshall's not going to be as good as expected." Mm-hmm. I have you guys wanted the Sunbelt East. I, I know what your defense was last year. I know what Ali is, and now Ali's back. And and I think what Coach Huff may be trying to say with your quarterback is. Without saying it, because um, he wants to score as many points. With, with the defense and running game you guys have, if you got a game manager that doesn't turn the ball over, you guys are going to win a lot of football games. But I, I, I looked at that Albany game and my initial, you know, I had a jerk reaction, knee jerk reaction to maybe Marshall's not as good. Then I immediately thought back to 2021. We had just beaten you guys, and yeah. then we had Tulane in two weeks. And in mm-hmm. between that, we played Charleston Southern. Mm-hmm. And we barely beat Charleston Southern <laughs> after coming back from 17 down to beat you guys in the fourth, and then came back the following week, and beat Tulane by 21.
2: So sometimes
0: <laughs> those FCF games, FCS games, you can't take much stock into them.
2: Yeah. You know, I heard uh, Shadur Sanders, you know, Dion's son after the big win they had against uh, TCU the other day at Colorado. Uh, he basically, you know, in front of the media said, there's not a whole lot of difference between FCS and FBS. Uh, you know, the skill talent is still pretty good the depth on the lines of scrimmage is, is a little bit different, but you know, it's just the truth. If you, you know how football is, if you don't get everybody, you know, rowing in the same direction, I don't care who you're playing. You're, you, you got a chance to get beat. And especially if your players in the back of their minds aren't 100% fully committed. And that's, I think the nature of playing a team like that, as opposed to you guys going to Michigan and, and playing in the big house. So, I mean, all that matters. Kids are kids. They're 18, 19, 20 years old. They read the papers, they watch TV, they see, What's going on with everybody saying, oh, it's going to be a blowout. And and sometimes that translates to how they play. And that's just human nature, right or wrong. Coaches say, hey, block out all the outside noise. But that's sometimes impossible to do. So, you know, that's just part of the game, which makes every Saturday pretty interesting in this sport.
1: Keith, kind of along the lines of what you were referencing uh, here just a few minutes ago as far as the type of game this will be, you know, that game two years ago had 80 points, um, the over/under this week is forty-four and a half, and I, I definitely—I uh, would not be shocked if—if um, if we hit the under. Uh, I could—I could see this being a uh, you know twenty-one seventeen uh, type of game. See yeah, two thousand nine.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right, Bubba. I, um First of all, neither team has the quarterback they had you know two years ago. Uh, yet, anyway, Fancher may be, and, and your guy Garcia may be, and and, and the backup. But uh, Ehlers, of course, was, was all world for you guys for, what, five years? And Marshall had Grant Wells, a kid who's now at Virginia Tech, and he could fling it around too. So, yeah, I, I could absolutely see it being a defensive battle. And, and, and you know, that's fun too because those are you know, it's just like two heavyweights going at it and who can outlast whom. So uh, I could certainly see a 2017-21-17 score and who knows who's on what side of it. But I agree with you, Bubba.
0: Yeah, I referenced 2009 when I met with 2008 uh, in Greenville. That game went to, to it was either overtime or double overtime, and I think it was seventeen seven when it went seventeen seventeen mm-hmm. when it went into overtime. Mm-hmm. If I remember
2: correctly, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's gonna be interesting. It really will. I mean, yes. Michigan, you game, you scored three, but that's Michigan and Marshall scores what seventeen against Albany. We'll see if the, if the offenses can get on track a little bit.
1: Game winner by Ben Hartman in that one.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: 08, yep. That's
2: right.
0: Yeah, an overtime game winner. How, how many fans do you guys uh, expect them to send down from Huntington? You guys normally have a good turnout in Greenville, uh, you know, in the Sun Belt now. So, you guys, your fans get to travel a lot more. So, uh, maybe not as, as anxious to get to Greenville as in years past when it was back in Conference USA, it was the only realistic road game. Uh, but yeah. now you guys have Boone, Norfolk, you know, Harrisburg. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you expect a good crowd from Marshall and Greenville?
2: You know, I think there'll be a pretty decent turnout. You know, one thing about a lot of Marshall alumni, they live down there. So, you don't have to bring them all from Huntington. You know, they there are a lot of alumni that live in the southeast and, and live, Is, you know. Isn't in Charlotte
0: the, the biggest alumni base for Marshall? It,
2: it's one of them. And, I, heck, I got five or six of friends that live down there. Maybe more than that. I got family down there, too. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of there are a lot of people down there in Carolina and and beyond, you know, even in South Carolina and, and Georgia and so I, I think there should be a good a, a good turnout and I tell people all the time and I, I really mean this I feel like that uh, being having been in SEC stadiums when that place gets rocking it, it feels like a mini SEC atmosphere and I I say if you get a chance to go down there go it's a, it's a great town and a great stadium great atmosphere
1: So we had a comment um, from, from some of our viewers, um, Johnny Gardner, as well as Johnny Robertson. We'll go to Johnny Gardner first. He just said during the, today's uh, press conference and player interviews that Trent Holler's name definitely came up uh, multiple times. And then um, he said this is always a good matchup, as, as we've referenced. Uh, and then Johnny Robertson said that against Albany Marshall, definitely used the bubble screen very effectively and that uh, Albany played very well but missed too many tackles.
2: Yeah, both those Johnnies are right, guys. And and uh, to the first question, uh, in fact, we asked Trent about the game two years ago, which, remember, Marshall was at, what, 38-21, I think, in the fourth quarter, and ECU ends up 42-38 with the win. And uh, uh, one, no, one of Marshall's other players, Owen Porter, he's a, one of the great defensive players. He said, "Yeah, Trent reminds us of that game all the time and laughs." So Trent, he he was all ECU that game, and now he's all Marshall this game. So he'll have some mixed emotions. But yeah, I mean, everybody remembers that game two years ago. That was Coach Huff's first year, and I know, and, and if you get him to uh, say it honestly that he th- he knows that they kind of uh, kudos to ECU for the comeback. But remember, they didn't cover an onside kick, and they were. Couple of things that happened that maybe would have turned it their way, but I know that one. He still he still remembers in the back of his mind that game.
1: Yeah, Owen Daffer, the old uh, the old dribble middle uh, onside on mm-hmm. re- kick recovered by recovered by the kicker.
2: <laughs> That's hard to do. I don't care. You know how that football is shaped. If you could do that, you could probably make a lot of money on onside kicks because that was perfect.
4: I went from in the span of about ten minutes in that game, fellas. I went from wanting to fire the AD, the whole coaching staff, <laughs> bench the quarterback, fire the university president to give Mike Houston a raise in the span of uh, – that was one of the crazier endings I think I have ever seen. Uh, it, yeah, it Houston really was did. nuts. Yeah, Matt,
0: yeah. you react and earned a game? No way.
4: <laughs> You'd be surprised, <laughs> right, Kyle? I mean, <laughs> you know. Shocking, shocking. <laughs> yeah,
3: You're though. allowed
2: to do that, right?
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah, only I'm game game. with it.
3: Yeah, I was going to say the only game I remember being a blowout was the 2013 game in Huntington where uh, Marshall – it was Marshall's day. I remember oh, that, that was
2: their game of the year too, they—they uh, they, uh, If I recall, they had a losing record that year.
3: And no, they, 20, uh, think,
0: 2013, no, we were playing each other for the East Division. Yeah.
2: Oh, that – okay. There was another – game. it was uh, – it would have been prior to that. Uh, you're March thinking of the 07 of
1: You I think. Yeah, yeah. You guys beat us like twenty six to seven.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that was when we, like the we most were going up to win, win the East,
0: and Marshall yeah. was not very good, and y'all no. just destroyed us.
2: That that's the one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny how the the games have gone, and like we said earlier, it's so many different ways to win and lose, and different plots and subplots. But that's what makes it fun. You you never really kind of know what you're going to get.
0: Four overtime games in the history of the series: the GMAC Four. Bowl, two thousand eight. Yeah. 2011 and 2012. So I'm, I'm calling for it now. I'm calling for every time this weekend.
2: So y'all like this story, Byron left, which was back in town a couple of weeks ago with Chad Pennington and they were at a fundraiser and I I was emceeing the event. And of course, Byron was the quarterback against David Garrard that day at the GMAC bowl. Still to this day, the wildest football game I've ever seen in person.
0: I remember something know, it's, about it, that.
2: Yeah. It's, and I, <laughs> I'm no, not, not to, not to get to uh Go on, bad memories for Pirates fans. But it, you know, it was thirty-eight to eight at halftime, and the way that thing ended, a sixty-four, sixty-one double overtime was crazy, crazy, crazy. I
0: uh, Steve Logan said that they'll put on his grave. He scored sixty-one, and he lost
2: god bless him they had that shot of him with his head in his hands and i thought oh man get off that shot that man does not need that
1: and and the crazy thing we had leonard henry who was averaging like he was a monster eight nine ten eight nine ten yards yards a carry
2: quit throwing it hey i remember at halftime thinking like if the only the only way they could possibly get back in this is a couple of defensive scores i didn't of course i wasn't you know omniscient and thinking they were going to do it and they had Two pick sixes, and and really, that's the only way they got back in. And if you just hand the ball off, there weren't there weren't enough possessions then to win that game to exactly. come back if they just it off. You know, <laughs> exactly. oh, that was that was crazy. Two
0: pass
3: happy. Then,
0: yeah, yeah, and, and there, I don't think one thing a lot of people forget about that game is in, in all the craziness you guys would
2: have beat us in regulation. You missed your extra point. That's the only reason it went to overtime. Uh, oh, yeah, and they had an equally difficult shot of Bob Pruitt after that missed extra point. He looked like he was going to shoot himself. You know, it was yep. like, oh, my God. So, yeah, that that thing was – and and if I remember, uh, heck, half the fans that were there for Marshall and Mobile went home. They went to, I don't know, the Mardi Gras or whatever to enjoy the streets because they were done. They thought it was over. And then can you imagine leaving that game and then find out later on they won? And then you, you then you don't tell anybody you left. You just lie and say, Oh, I was there, you
3: know. Yeah, they had that that game. I remember being at my parents' house and at halftime, my mom said, Why are you staying up? They're up 30 points, 38. I said, Mom, I'm an East Carolina fan. <laughs> I've seen some crazy things, so maybe it's my fault, but I really uh, that game I was I was like, I can't believe that. Down thirty points, and Marshall came back. You know, well, we had
0: done that really the whole second half of the year, and, and oh, yeah. almost we had almost blown the Cincinnati game and the TCU game. And um, I, I'm trying to remember one of those two games came down to a field goal that either TCU Cincinnati, or Cincinnati. Cincy, Okay, they missed it at the but, end.
1: Yeah, because Cincinnati, it looked like it, it looked like it was going to split it, but it just came up a couple yards short. Yeah. So that we almost
0: done it against TCU and Sissy. We jumped up big on them, and then they came back. And then we we we, we did it. To, we we did it one more time against Marshall, and uh, it finally bit us.
3: One of the stories yeah. that year for two thousand one, I remember, guys, for the, that season for ECU, is we started out great, but it looked like our conditioning in the fourth quarter. You guys remember that? It looked like we yeah. gave out like every. Even the games we won, we looked like we were not in good condition in two thousand one for that season. And that was
1: the first year that the Jeff Connors um, had had moved on to the University of North Carolina, so there was that transition. So there very well could have been something to that. Yeah, that's back when they didn't uh,
2: they didn't pay strength and conditioning coaches what they do now. Now I think they they realize their value, <laughs> and so a lot of them make a lot of money now.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's and, an excellent point. Is, uh, it would be uh, obviously, you know, at this point. Uh, but it, it makes no difference. But uh, it would would have been interesting to see how that uh, that season, if if it would have been six and six, had Coach Connors been in the fold.
0: No, well, I can go ahead and tell you right now, Bubba. No, uh, I, I
1: think I think we would have probably won at least eight or nine. I agree with you hundred percent. And you know,
0: I Jeff Connors and Matt can tell you all about Jeff Connors. He's a hell of a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, particularly the Logan under the Logan day and, and he did a good job in a rough and I don't like the way things ended with Jeff Connors and Ruffin McNeil but uh, Connors did way more good at ECU than he
3: ever did bad no question so I know you're coming down on Saturday are you doing it uh, are you doing any stories uh, about Greenville or ECU this time
2: I don't know if I'll have time, Dave. Because we're going to, uh, because of our high school schedule on Friday, I'm I'm going to just get up early with my guy, and we're going to head down in the morning. So I'm I won't have enough time. And the way the game is situated, uh, what we're going to do is send back first half highlights for our six o'clock sports, which will be about halftime, you know, five thirty or so, and then uh, do some post game and and send that back for the ten and the eleven. So it'll be a it'll be a quick turnaround. um, But I, I will enjoy all of Greenville that it has to offer in the little bit of time I'm there for sure.
3: No doubt. We're looking forward to it. i tell you what, uh, we need to do whatever we can to extend the series because after, like Kyle said, we have the game in 25 at Huntington. Maybe we play that game. Uh, we've got plenty, by the way, I checked. uh I, I thought I was right, but 25, 26, there's a whole bunch of openings uh, that we have available. So uh, I don't know about the Marshall side of things, but East Carolina has uh holes <laughs> shall we say and uh it's not i easy. thought we were pretty full until 28. no we've got a hole in 25 26 um there's but it's uh unfortunately
4: you mean to tell me dave that none of these P five teams from North Carolina will play little old D C U. No no, 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 Matt, they they won't
0: play us anymore, and uh, it's going to take legislation to make that happen, and we're just not ready to do that at this time. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we're just going to cow, we're just going to cower, cower down to them and uh, and say it's okay.
3: Yeah, twenty five. Uh, about Virginia
0: Tech, uh, will they play us? Uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, well, you know what? They might. They got. An, I don't think that AD's still there now. Um, uh, or maybe he is. Uh, if he, uh, but let me tell everybody. Yeah, pretty wants, sure.
1: Whit Babcock is still there. Well, he's
0: horrible. He's friggin' horrible.
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: they, it, l- l- look at the state of their football program, and um, you uh, just keep keep on enjoying playing Old Dominion instead of us. Um, that's fine. Hey guys, hey, they they you, come
3: to Huntington honey,
2: this year. On this uh, two sarcasm, weeks after there? this. One. Yeah, I got it. It's easy to see. Uh, yeah. Uh, tech actually comes to Huntington in two, uh, two weeks after Saturday. And uh, the, Oh my God, the, I
0: wish it was next weekend. That way maybe you'd be looking ahead.
2: Yeah. The, the plot twist is tech starting quarterback is Grant Wells. who Of course, was it Marshall with, oh. uh, you got two years ago. So th- there's a whole lot of side stories going on with that one too.
0: Yeah, that's go hard in that one. Yeah, but hard. you
2: guys got a you guys got a promise that you're just make it up in 2025. Just put it down in your phone, uh, a little reminder. And I,
0: I'll you tell up, you what. You I, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, uh Keith, Jesus Christ, um, I could not get your name out. I'll tell I'm you sorry. what, Keith. This is what you do. All right, talk about the coach off. I got y'all. You. Go ahead. You, you go ahead. Don't worry about this game this weekend. Just play okay. play. Play vanilla like you did against Auburn, <laughs> and, um, and 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 save everything for Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Tech, yeah. let me okay. tell you something. That one right there. If you beat the Hokies in Huntington, what you do in Greenville ain't going to matter. And, if, and I say that with all kidding, but it's the truth too. Okay. If you oh, beat yeah. the Hokies in Huntington, it won't matter <laughs> yeah. why. A
3: Virginia Tech, we had a rivalry, but it was friendly. It was nothing there. But after what went down in 2018, it's become like. And now that they won't, they took every game off the schedule we had uh, with them. I, well, you you had two that.
0: idiots, Dave. You had you had Whip-Babcock. We had three idiots. Well, you had two idiots. So Confer was gone by that point, I guess. But you you had you had two idiots. You had Whip-Babcock and you had Cecil State and our chancellor at the time. And so you, you had you had two idiots making decisions and uh, sue what, me. sue me exactly. Is is what our genius <laughs> is what our genius uh chancellor Cecil State and told Whip-Babcock when we canceled the game. And truth be told, the reason we canceled that game it, it, they can use the Hurricanes to excuse, but the truth be told is because Scotty Montgomery sucked and he wanted to get out of the game Central sure. and Central State let him. But, you know, it, it is what it is. But Whip Babcock shouldn't have punished the whole university and athletic department and used that as a reason to quit playing East Carolina. But anyway, Man, it's, that's, that's it's not your fault, Keith.
2: It makes too much sense. So I'm with you guys. I mean, the more I see this crazy, diabolical conference realignment, it's like, and the more times you can just play somebody and maybe take a bus ride or at least a short right. flight, just do it. I mean, fans love it. It makes more sense for the athletes. Just, you know, just do it. They Sometimes we overthink this thing, I think. What's the
0: reaction up there to the Sun Belt? You guys have been in the MAC. You've been in Conference USA. Now you're in the Sun Belt. What, what's the reaction, do you, do you think, what amongst – you know, how, how does it compare in terms of the fans to Conference USA or the MAC?
2: I think, without a doubt, I think I was speaking for the fans – But it's just a much better fit Uh, geographically. I think Marshall kind of considers themselves a a southern school, even though it's the northernmost school in the Sun Belt. But, you know, you have teams that Marshall knows about, Appalachian State and Southern Miss and – and and Old Dominion and and all these teams that you can kind of get to James Madison, they used to play in, in the FCS days So everybody can relate. And and I know this um, just because conference USA had some good teams, but my God, you're going out to El Paso, you're going out to Houston. I mean, it just, it didn't, it just didn't raise any uh, excitement in terms of rivals. So Mm -hmm. the fact that they're down there playing and and to be honest, the Sunbelt takes its football seriously. You guys know that. And uh, I I think it's been a win-win throughout uh, the, the whole league for them. And I think that they, that's the reason they had to, They tried to get out as quickly as they did because they realized, hey, this, this is going to jumpstart people's excitement again. And uh, it, it's already created some good natural rivalries, even with schools that they haven't played before.
3: Well, hopefully we can get uh, most definitely a series beyond uh, like we talked about for you guys. And um, I'm looking forward to it. Excitement is uh, definitely when we got uh, – I've heard, uh, I heard people at the big house talking about even you – know, which, which is cool – you know, here we are in a great environment, but I overheard people talking about how much they were looking forward to Marshall coming to Greenville uh, because of the. We talked about it's not a, really a rivalry, but it's a special game. Yeah, so that made me feel good to hear uh, people talk good about the game. And
0: I, I, I think it is a rivalry, Dave. I think you can have a respect rivalry without it being mm-hmm. a hate rivalry. And I, I do think it's a rivalry. I, I want to beat Marshall just as bad as I want to beat NC State. I just don't hate them. Well, that's yeah, and it, it's, uh, it's
3: different.
2: Even the guys that I talked to, I was telling you about from the 70 team, they say, you know, except for when when we play Marshall, he goes, we're Marshall fans every Saturday. So, I mean, that's just, it's cool to hear. And again, the the commitment to putting that that tribute up in the stadium, it's just, there's so many things that are good about the game. uh, It'd be great to keep it going for sure.
0: I agree. It needs to to keep going. And uh, from an East Carolina standpoint, and you guys are in the same conference with them, but we don't have the tie with something like the plane crash. We have a very similar relationship with Southern Mississippi. You mm-hmm, uh, know, mm-hmm. East Carolina needs to get those guys back on the
3: schedule. And there's times like what we talked about with, um, not to get it on tangent, but there's times like what like Kyle's talking about where, and you, I know you alluded Next to earlier, Keith, with we can't play teams every single year like a Marshall or a Southern Miss, but they should be sporadically, you know, on the or put on the schedule every two or three years. We should be going to either place.
2: Yeah, I agree because, you know, fans don't even sometimes think ahead and they might look at the future schedules and see 26. Oh, East Carolina's coming to Huntington or Marshall's going to ECU. That's a great game. And, and I, I haven't heard one person say, why play this game? And you hear that a lot from fans, right? But, uh, no, I think universally, at least from this, uh, this side of the rivalry, it's uh, people welcome it and they respect the program. And, you know, what's, what can you say more about a college football game than the, the fans respect each other
1: and, and love the game?
0: No one understands the way college sports should be, and regional.
1: Yeah. Early on in this conversation, you and know, Kyle referenced Rashid Ali, uh, the six foot, two hundred and ten pound, um, tremendous running back. Mike Houston just raved over him today, just saying, he said, "I know some folks won't believe this, um, but um, you know, obviously, East Carolina saw tremendous running backs in Week One um, at Michigan uh, with with Edwards and in, Corum." In, um, but uh, Rashin Ali is right there, um, perhaps even better in Coach Houston's opinion. And, um, you know, 18 for 137 and two touchdowns against Albany. Uh, and tell us more about Rashin Ali and then also uh, a couple of the other skill pieces. And you had Chuck Montgomery, receiver, 5'10", 190, uh, six catches for – you know, 80 or 85 yards. And then big tight end, Cade Conley, mm-hmm. 6'4", 240 pounds, out of Michigan, seven catches for right at 80 yards.
2: Yeah, Bubba, those guys are uh, – all three of them were, were huge factors, in you know, that second half where they finally put it together. Uh, uh, Ali's got a great story. His dad it was, it was an avid boxer, uh, and Rashin grew up as a boxer. Um, and he said it taught him a lot about footwork and, 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 you know, being on your own with just you, mano y mano, if you will. Uh, and then he uh, he played sparingly in high school, which is why he didn't get a lot of offers. He was out of Cleveland area. And uh, when he got to Huntington, uh, Doug Chapman, who was a former NFL running back, played at Marshall uh, with Chad Pennington back in the day. He said, watch number 22. This guy's going to be a star. And so his freshman year, redshirt freshman year, he runs for 1,400 yards, 23 touchdowns. And then last year in preseason camp – he gets hurt and everybody just goes oh goodness what's going to happen and marshall had a really good running back in his stead with Kaitlin Layborn, who was in camp with the 49ers he got cut but he still ran for 1500 yards so obviously they they didn't have much drop off but for ali now he's been much more mature in camp coach huff has raved about him he said it's so much easier now to run without this brace and he's a big time talent uh, maurice claret uh, former Ohio State running back tweeted about him the other day saying watch this guy he's as, he's as good as a, a running back as there is in, in college football so he's he's got a lot of talent the Montgomery kid you mentioned real slippery uh, he's got speed and he's a he's a big personality for that team and that tight end was sort of an unknown guy he was the, the they have i think nine tight ends in their room but he was like the second string guy their starter had gotten hurt and he came out of nowhere but he transferred from Central Michigan big kid 64 260 and Like you said, he was a big part of them moving the football because they were having trouble throwing it, and he's a big target. So you're right on with those three guys really kind of providing the push to help them get that win on Saturday.
3: No doubt. And we also had a a comment from our friend B. Pace in the media, and he says, I grew up in uh, Beckley, West Virginia. My dad grew up listening to your dad. (coughs) Steve Brown was my neighbor in Beckley.
2: Wow, Brian, thanks for saying that. Uh, Yeah, my – That's where dad started, Uh, and then we moved up here in in 68, and then uh, he took the job at Marshall, and then, of course, in 70, the the plain grass, but he loved Beckley, considered Beckley his his home away from home. He's from Newark, New Jersey originally, and Tink Brown was a heck of a basketball player at Marshall, so uh, I got got a lot of love for Beckley. I I was born there, so uh, thanks for saying that, and uh, really nice to know, and and, and thanks for listening and, and,
3: uh, you know, pointing that out. How far is (laughs) A geography question. How far is Beckley from Honey?
2: Only at like an hour and 45, right down 77. So it's an easy right. drive.
3: Yeah. All right. Not at all. Okay. Well, we're looking forward to it, Keith. I'll tell you what, I appreciate your time. As always, you've been great to us over the years, and hard to believe we've been doing this for over five years. Mm-hmm. now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Get to every single time. How can people follow your work? And I know up on the screen we have, I'm trying to get used to saying X or Twitter at Keith Morehouse. Uh, but That's how it. Can- mm-hmm how can people get in touch with you as far as your work?
2: Uh, well, they can uh, do that or they could just email me. It's uh, Keith.Morehouse at WSAZ.com and WSAZ.com is our website. So we put our stuff up there and we'll have our East Carolina stuff up there um, through the week. And we'll send some down to our friends at WITN, which is also a great station. So yeah. uh, we have a great relationship with them. And uh, so thanks you guys for having me, Dave and Bubba and Matt and Kyle. I, I really appreciate all you do. and and the kind words you have to say about the Thundering Herd. And I'm looking forward to Saturday and hopefully seeing you guys down there.
3: I hope too in the press box. Maybe one day we can get Kyle up there where you can actually meet him. So uh, yeah, I, I, I,
2: that's the, that's. <laughs> I'd love, love,
0: love to meet you, Keith, but I will not be in the press box.
2: <laughs> well, I'll meet you on the tailgate lot somewhere. I told Patrick I was going to do, do something with him or say hi to him before yeah. the game. So I'll see if I can find you guys.
3: All right. Take care, man. Have a good one. Hey, thanks,
2: guys.
4: Appreciate it.
3: Have thanks, Keith.
4: Take care, my friend.
3: I appreciate Keith a lot. He's old. He's been great to us. Uh, in fact, in the COVID year, you remember guys when that's how, where the idea for Bubba had for the inside slant, um, came about and, uh, man, Keith was with us for, um, about every single week of, uh, when we first started that show, uh, three years ago, really out of necessity because we had no, uh, really no football, uh, to talk about. For the no, longest.
0: Marshall was one of the hottest stories in football in 2020. Yep. As they started the season off, um, you know, there was even you know because of the conferences that weren't playing, there was some early scuttlebutt about could Marshall be a playoff team, and uh, their season kind of they had a good season, but it kind of tw- tailed off in the second half of it. But yeah, I remember that well. And Keith is great, man. I mean, just it's, it's, it's it, it and it just goes perfect with him representing Marshall. That that is, you know, even though he doesn't work directly for Marshall, he works for television station there in Huntington. It, it's it's cool to have – that's the kind of dude that, you know, if you're an East Carolina fan, you, you expect to run into from Marshall. He's just a good
3: dude. No doubt. Glad to have him on. In fact, uh, he'll be with us – well, he'll be there at the game. They told us at 2.30 on Saturday. so They're driving down on early on Saturday morning, so you can find Keith around the stadium for sure. Guys, uh, we had a – I know Bubba, we had a comment from uh, – was that Thick Poppy?
1: We did. Uh, he was talking about the crowd this Saturday for the Marshall game. I'm just saying. He said, "Go Pirates!" Hey, fellas, what are your attendance projections for this game? That he's thinking around forty-five thousand. Um, I had not heard. I think Dave, you responded to him saying that you had heard something about forty-three. That that would be that would be great. And you know, Coach Houston kind of challenging Pirate Nation today at his weekly press conference, saying, "Hey, this is the home opener." Um, you know, we have an excellent football team, um, excellent regional opponent in Marshall. No reason we shouldn't have a full stadium. Um, my guess would be uh, I was thinking, you know, 41, 42,000, somewhere, somewhere in there. Uh, if we get to 45 or, or more, great.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, Bob. I think it'll be 42, 43, maybe as many as 45 if the weather's good. There's a 40% to a 50% chance of rain. If that goes down, or, you know, goes away altogether. If it doesn't go up, I think we'll get over 40. If that rain chance hangs around or goes up, then I think it'll be somewhere in the 30s. But, uh, you know what? I would – unless it's a freaking monsoon, it's going to be warm, guys. A little bit of rain will feel good. Just come to the game.
3: Wear a poncho and enjoy the game. Makes no doubt. Yeah.
4: Anything under 43 would, for me, be a disappointment personally.
3: Yeah, and that's another thing, by the way, guys. No so. doubt. <laughs>
1: good. Is that, no is that doubt.
3: Mike Houston, Bubba.
1: It wasn't intended to be, but uh, but yes, it, it could. Uh, uh, we we've said it enough, uh, jokingly, but yes, I guess it kind it kind of was that.
0: Yeah. No, I and I will say this, and, and I don't, I don't mean I want this or think it's okay, but I do really. If it, if it's gonna rain, we won't crack forty thousand. I would be shocked, unfortunately.
3: Yeah, and, and that's one of the things we're gonna have to do. Um, people keep talking about conference realignment and, and all the different uh you know, the big conferences they wanna be in. Well, it's kinda hard to be in a big conference if you can't sell at your stadium or getting where you really it, it is? Well, for uh, yeah, sure it
0: hell not hurt SMU or
3: Yeah, I know by SMU, but as far as, but we, what I'm saying is, we need to have every. Yeah, that's
0: one of our strengths. We can't make our media market bigger.
3: Yep. So we need How about more people. Of How about <laughs> of-
4: Mike Houston with a uh, a cameo tonight. Thanks, Coach.
3: Either that or Bubba has Tourette's. <laughs> oh my gosh! And here's a, co- a question from Elliot. He's asking. Hey, Dave, what happened to Marty on the sidelines? I listened to the game Saturday, didn't hear him. Did he leave ECU? Thanks. Uh, Marty Fuhrer, for many, many years, was a sideline reporter. He and Jeff Charles were extremely close. And my uh, my guess, I don't know this 100%, um, but losing Jeff was a really big deal, obviously, to a lot of us. And I think it was his choice not to come back. I don't think that he was not invited um, back. Um, I think he just decided to... Uh, stop after Jeff was gone and especially the way that everything went down in February. So, um, I don't know that hundred percent, but just knowing trying to put connect the dots uh, from that situation, I, my gut feeling is he decided not to come back because of that. So
0: maybe we'll uh, try to get Marty on the show and he can talk about it.
3: Yeah, that would be good.
1: Hey, I, uh, but for- speak,
0: Speaking of Jeff, Bob, hold on one second. This is related. Uh, I went to UBE today and uh, they got the Jeff Charles bobblehead still uh, they're 5 bucks now they're by the register in the middle I would call the middle of the store where the hats and a lot of the men's apparel are the second the second floor if you will mm-hmm. if that makes sense to anybody um and they have the Jeff Charles bobbleheads there for $5 now with 100% of the proceeds going to to um to um uh, Was it a scholarship? No, Mistletoe. Mistletoe. Um, oh, yeah. One, mistletoe. I can't think of the name of the charity, but it's, it's for the Mistletoe Therapy stuff, uh, whatever the name of that charity is. So they're available. I don't know if it's available again or if they're still available, but they had them up by the register for five bucks. 100% of the proceeds go into Mistletoe Therapy Research. And uh, I picked one up. And uh, being a colorectal cancer survivor like Jeff, and I would advise everybody else, go buy them out. They're five bucks now. Uh, goodbye, everyone.
3: And uh, B. Pace was asking about the radio broadcast. So I had a chance to listen to it, and um, Zoki did a great job as uh, play-by-play, and um, he did a great. And obviously, we uh, we had Andrew Bays on last night for the uh, Pirate football playback. He was awesome. Um, David Horns great. Um, you know the, those guys. It was uh, the great thing about that. The great thing about that uh, broadcast was the fact that it's you know you're moving past, and you never replace a legend. Uh, like Jeff Charles, but it was very seamless. Uh, the pro the product was great. The overall production, of course, when you have, uh, our good friend, David Horn friend of the show, when he's doing anything, it's going to be top notch. So, um, it wasn't like that, you know, you go from Jeff Charles, this great broadcast to where the production's bad, everything is bad. It was, uh, it was, it was good. So it's good. I will say this, it was good as a, as it's going to be because, uh, we all love Jeff, and it's not going to be the same. So we have to get used to having another voice uh, call the football games and basketball, for that matter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Elab- elaborating ahead. a little bit more on that, um, you know, Macy O'Donnell, former East Carolina running back and receiver, you know, walk on uh, from the eastern part of the state. Uh, Macy, you know, opted to uh, go ahead and begin his career in media. Uh, he's doing an excellent job um, with Hoist the Colors and then also as part of the ECU Sports Network team uh, as the sideline reporter. And uh, also kind of elaborating um, on what B. Pace is asking. He said, how was the radio broadcast? Any clips? If you have not heard the broadcast, um, you can go back and listen to it as Dave did I'm assuming, um, I did this yesterday, I listened to a few possessions just to get a feel for things, and that was uh, the IBX Media app, and then once you download the IBX Media app, um, you know, you'll see your options, 94.3, all their various stations, and then also the ECU Sports Network, click on the ECU Sports Network, and then you can, you can click on the different sports, uh, be it football, men's basketball, et cetera, and it, very easy to find, and um, I listened to some of the pregame show, and like I said, the first half of the first quarter, and um, and I, I liked what I heard. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I haven't listened to it at all. Uh, Stevie uh, is, is Wednesday night, join us for just another sports podcast with uh, me and Stevie. We're gonna have Andrew Bays, or not Andrew Bays, Andrew Bodenheimer, and um, Hunter Gallimore on, but anyway, um, Stevie was working during the Michigan game, wasn't able to watch it until later. So he was listening. There you go. There we are right there. So he was listening to the broadcast, and he thought they did an excellent job. So, so far, everybody's given positive feedback to Zoki. So it'll be interesting to see after the season, if everybody continues to like him. Um, you know, I don't know how interested he is in moving to the eastern part of the state, but those conversations might have to be had.
3: Yeah, I don't think that's co- – guys, I will say this. I've thought about it a lot. I, I don't think he's going to move. He, he's going to stay with the Panthers um, unless, well, I will say this too. Uh, we know for a fact that things are very bad at the Panthers internally. So it may be a situation. I'm not talking about with Zoki, I'm just talking about with uh, the owner. Well, and, he
0: may uh, fi- fall in love with Pirate
3: Affleck. He, yeah, he likes Greenville. He likes CCU. So, um, but I could also see where, he either does what Kyle is talking about coming here as the voice or uh doing like he's doing, just do football only and having um Scott Rogers do basketball and uh, baseball. But we'll who knows, but uh, definitely kudos to Jim Zoki. I was uh, I was you know, I knew he was gonna do a good job, but you still have to hear the broadcast, and uh, I'm glad that part of uh things have kind of been settled,
0: yeah. Kind of getting back
3: to the game. Sorry,
0: go ahead, Kyle. I was going to say that you know it, 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 after this season, if he doesn't want to do it full time, we need a, We need that face. We need a a permanent kind of fixture. A new, uh, you know, a, a new voice of the Pirates. Even though there'll never be another voice of the Pirates, but you know what I mean. You, you need that 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 constant, in my opinion. So um, if he doesn't want to do but, it full time, then then I think we move on to somebody else.
3: And we have we have someone that we haven't even mentioned on the show uh, that wants the job. So, Bubba. Bubba does. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no. Uh, so I, I wish I was talented enough to be able to uh, to do play by play. I think I could handle the you know, the color analyst side of things. Um, but, uh, yeah, cer- certainly not play by play. But um, a few more comments on YouTube. Uh, Elliot Jameson said, as far as uh, some of the shirts that they were doing to raise money for the, the scholarship at the ECU uh, School of Communications, he said, um, do they have any of those available from the uh, Pirate Radio kickoff party is what he's referencing. Um, I do not know um, if they do. You know, I, ju- I would just called 252. Uh, was it 317-1250? I believe that's Pirate Radio's number. And just search their number and give them a call. And um, then also... Uh, Robert Dedrick said, Are we expecting a low scoring defensive game? The over under for the game in Vegas, 44.5. So, yeah, it's low scoring. I think we're, we're all at a consensus that we think it will be, you know, a 21 17, 24 20 type of game. Which not means so it'll fast, be 45
4: to 42. I'm, I'm a little Correction.
1: different. Uh, uh, I, I did not mean to speak for Mr. Simenza. Go ahead, Matt.
4: Thank you, B. Rosen. I uh, I'm a little different on this one. I think. You know, this is just one theory that I have. You saw two offenses last week that underperformed. You know, we know we have talent at East Carolina. Things obviously didn't come together up in Michigan like we had hoped for. I think watching Marshall, they picked up their offense in the second half. That's more who they are. And they were still vanilla. You know, they were holding back. So I think you have two teams that have a lot more to offer offensively. And I think you're going to see some points. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this thing went over. So just another way to look at this.
3: All right. By the way, I've got a breaking news. It looks like guys that B Pace is coming out of retirement. He was the voice of the lady pirates, which I remember very well. B Pays in 95 and 96. So there you go. He's our guy. B Pace. We would love to have you. Sure. Let's do it. Let, let him know. Send your resume in bro. Uh, you're right there in Raleigh. You could definitely be the the voice of the Pirates and the Beat 95.3 in Raleigh, doing very well there. So uh, check him out there. And uh, I know, uh, by the way, B-Pays, that, uh, maybe you can hook all of us up to go to see that. Uh, I know that LL Cool J show is coming up here pretty soon. Uh, I was a big fan back in the day. That gives me memories of junior high and high school. But um, I heard I'm that. are going back to Cali. Yeah, I heard that. Those tickets, surprisingly, are 200 250 bucks. Uh some of those seats. But I'm sure you get cheaper. Mama
0: but. said knock you out, Dave.
3: <laughs> there you go. Uh, and I'm sure. out of L.O. Cool J songs. There you go. But uh, anyway, uh, one of my all-time favorite hip-hop artists is L.O. Cool J. So anyway, that'll be a lot of fun.
0: No, didn't he, wait a minute, I'm, I'm getting one more. Didn't he have something, B-Pays, help me out here. What am I thinking about an early L.O. Cool J song about, The radio or the boom box, it was something about
3: raising, yeah. The uh, raising bells that that album, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to
0: think of the song, but Paisley should know what I'm talking about.
3: Yeah, maybe he can help us out here. Yeah,
0: that's that's his expertise. So, if he's if he still listens, that'll pop up on the screen in a minute.
3: All right, how about this? Jr, Jr, and Bubba are the best because they help us with stats for what it's worth. Michigan's last 10 opponents. Are ten and zero, um, and after the week after playing the Wolverines, he just did the research. How about that?
0: Wow, that is interesting. Let's
4: hope that continues.
3: And Man, Pace- Johnny
4: comes up with some great stats. You know, you got to give Johnny props. He comes up with some great stats like this all the time.
0: The D- 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 page just answered my question. There it is. Can't live without my radio.
3: That's it. Yes, yes. I could not think of
0: that song. That was another one from the eighties.
3: Is one of the all time greats, I mean, he has so many songs that you forget that you know, LL did so that's how and, and it.
0: of course, don't forget his classic with Brad Paisley, Accidentally Racist.
3: Oh, yeah,
4: and uh, LL had a nice, uh, a nice acting uh, performance in oh, Halloween yeah? H2O as the security guard. If you guys remember, it was, he thought, thought he got killed there, but then he. Turns out at the end he's still alive. You guys, uh, Kyle, I, you're a Halloween fan. You, you remember that? Which movie did you say? Halloween H two O. LL Cool J was the he was the security guard. You
0: for- know, it's been so long since I've seen H two O. My favorite of the Halloween series. I love the Jamie Lloyd trilogy, four, five, and six. As you would imagine, but uh, Matt of the, 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 the Jamie I Lloyd trilogy,
4: you, buddy. <laughs> Do what? I, and I know why.
0: Well, that sounds kind of creepy out of context there, but uh, <laughs> keep in mind that was her age at that time. But I uh, no, th- those are uh, those are my three favorites, and so uh, I've seen H two O. Obviously, really thought the sequel H two O was horrible and a disgrace because the ending H two O was really well done, and then they just totally and um whatever the one was after that with Buster Rhymes, which was god awful. They just totally acted like the ending to, to H2O. They they cut off the wrong person's head instead of Michael Myers. It was so stupid.
4: Yeah, it was it was a horrible ending. And just, just to put some context to that, guys, my joke about Jamie Lloyd um, – She's grown up to be a very pretty woman,
3: so uh, indeed, you know. So,
4: we're talking about the current version,
3: yeah. Please, I'm glad you it's elaborated right. on that. Hey, by the, way, on
4: that.
0: <laughs> yeah, by the way, yeah, uh, her, her, her real name is her real name is, um, oh god, my brain's not working, Daniel Harris, Daniel Harris. Thank you, yeah, Daniel Harris. And uh, yes, yeah, she grew up to be a knockout.
3: By the way, I want to mention real quick, Bubba, we'll get back to football, I promise. Uh, the LL Cool J song I could not think of. It was kind of like a ballad, I need love. I don't know if y'all remember that from the late 80s. I need love, y'all. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. But uh, anyway, go ahead, Bub. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. I uh, have Elliot Jameson and Robert Dedrick asking regarding the quarterback situation if we had shared our thoughts on that with Mason Garcia and Alex Flynn. And um, you guys did that uh, a bit. A night ago on the pirate football playback and um, definitely uh, go back and check that out to Elliot and Robert, if you, if you have not, but we'll discuss it more right now. Um, you know, I was not taking part last night, had some stuff going on after getting back from Ann Arbor, but um, you know, my thoughts um, very much like coach Houston in his weekly press conference, you know, both did some good things, both struggled at times. Uh, it was kind of in reverse. Mason struggled out of the gates. Then Alex came on, looked very comfortable. And I'm um, very much in control of what he was doing, and then uh, Mason came on in the second half after after Alex struggled some in the third quarter. But um, to each of their points, uh, yes, we were fairly vanilla uh, as was Marshall. Um, you know whether it's new personnel, um, be it at the quarterback position or otherwise. Uh, then also uh, in Marshall's case, perhaps you know not trying to show any more than they had to before playing East Carolina. But as far as um, the Pirates are concerned, you know, I, th- I think uh, after what I saw and then also hearing what uh, Coach Houston said and Coach Donnie Kirkpatrick on the Brian Bailey show yesterday, um, they were backing up what I was seeing as far as, you know, we, we run a lot of RPOs. Um, Mason Garcia and Alex, uh, especially Mason is what um, – what DK referenced, and and that is just that, you know, they were understandably not want to make that big mistake. Um, so, as as a coach, you know, you tell tell them to err on the side of caution, and that means handing the ball off. So sometimes instead of handing the ball off, they should have been pulling it and throwing uh, throwing the football. And even so, you know, I think we ended up throwing twenty nine passes, and we had maybe twenty six rushes, and out of those twenty six, twenty seven, however many rushes we had, I want to say thirteen were by the quarterbacks, eight by Mason, and then five by Alex. So, um, so, so we weren't quite as conservative as the you know the average fan may have thought, just because they were handing the ball off when they could have pulled it and thrown it.
0: Let me ask you everybody a question here. Um, do, do, you, you're going to play them both against Marshall, most likely. Uh, you started Mason against against Michigan. Flynn came off the bench, maybe had a chance to watch some things. With the dynamic of a player as Mason is, if you start Flynn with with the idea that you tell Mason you're going to go in third series, whatever, and you let him sit there and watch a couple series, and, and and he gets to see some things, and he comes in off the ju- off the bench, off the bench, maybe all juiced up now because maybe he feels a little bit like even, even though he split time, he didn't get the start would you do that maybe this game and see how it worked with Mason coming off the bench or would you, would you go ahead and start him and, and, and then rotate Flan in or does it matter?
4: I personally think it's harder to come off the bench. I really do. I mean, that that's my feeling on it. Um, I like to be on the field at the start of the game. Uh, you know, I just think you get into a better rhythm and, you know, that's, that's my feeling on it, but you know, maybe Mason's the opposite. I mean, maybe he can benefit from, you know, kind of taking that back seat and watching a few series, and then and coming in. But I'll say this, Kyle: one thing I would do, regardless whether he starts or he doesn't start, I would call the game to his strengths and use that, utilize that uh, that strong arm of his, pump the ball downfield, pump the ball horizontally to wide receiver screens, and try to get him in a good rhythm either, either way.
3: Yeah, I was, I was going to say that uh, my thing is my my take on it would be that I think that it was a lot of nerves. Your first game truly as a starter and you start no excuses. You start in the big house, but I, I'm going to be curious to see guys. My curiosity would be, you know, Matt, you talk about it all the time and I know Bubba would say the same thing. You improve the most probably game from one game one to game two, but the first to second week, but I'm curious to see how does Mason Garcia react to what I would argue is more of an even game um, versus a game that you know that you're a huge underdog in? That's my thing. How And it's a home, your first home game, so it's not the intimidation of playing in the big house or on the road.
0: Bobby, you are so, a quarterback. Um, do you think there can be any benefit from – Sitting and watching a couple series and coming off the bench versus starting, or are you in the boat with Matt, where you'd rather be starting no matter what?
1: There's certainly no substitute for getting out there and actually executing the offense, but at the same time, there definitely is a benefit to it uh, because, um, th- and then, you know, that was something that uh, the coach Logan did pretty frequently. Uh, you know, he would uh, he would have you know, be it the, the David Garrard and Bobby Weaver situation in 98 when David Garrard was a redshirt freshman or um, the situation, you know, where, you know, you bring Danny Gonzalez in for a series here and there um, to, to allow Marcus Crandall to see it from the sideline or, you know, he, he would do the same thing with uh, Richard Austin and David Garrard. So I definitely think there's some benefit to it, I mean, you know, whether it's allowing the, the starter to, to see it uh, from a different perspective or because that um, backup, um, number two, uh, brings something else to the table, um, much like the, the case was with Rob Cass and Patrick Pinckney. And uh, you referenced a good recall on your part yesterday, Kyle, as far as that you know that system was mainly used um, between Pinckney and Cass in 2007. Okay. But, it, but in 2008, when Patrick Pinckney uh, was not performing well at all in a home game, uh, what ended up being a thirty to ten win against Memphis, the Pirates may not uh, even win that game, much less by three touchdowns. Had it not been for Rob Cass coming off the bench and uh, having the hot hand.
0: Yeah, no, exactly, and uh, I, that's what I'm saying. You can win with a two quarterback system. We did it in 07 and a little bit in 08. and uh, you know, and and and, and back. Uh, you mentioned Bobby Weaver and David Girard before Bobby got hurt, and we were using that two quarterback system. We were five and one. So if done if done correctly, it look hey we'll even go more recently, 2015. If people would have left Ruffin alone, and quit bugging him about starting James Summers, and they would have just kept starting Blake Kemp and bringing Summers in off the bench, I, yep. I think Ruffin doesn't get fired at the end of that year. Amen. Despite what, despite what uh, what old shithead wanted.
3: Got it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I didn't want summertime, but that's. Uh,
0: <laughs> I, I I didn't mind sum. I didn't mind summertime. You know when it when it was when it was uh the right time, uh you know I I one of the one of the smartest calls I ever heard from the fifth quarter was by an old man from Virginia. I don't remember his name. It was during that whole situation, and people were calling in saying they better start James Summers next week. They better. This is after the SMU game when he came in off the bench and brought us back, and you know, Virginia Tech than SMU and uh. An old man called in and said, I I wouldn't start James Summers and Clip or whoever asked him why. And he said, because we're 2-0 and starting Blake Kent with James Summers coming in off the bench. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, uh, y- yep. you know, I think, I think people overthink things a lot.
1: Something else of note um, in today's weekly press conference, Mike Houston, um, uh, I thought of this because of a, a comment that was made. You know, from um, Brad Williams, and he was talking about running the ball. We we didn't run the ball all that much, and we didn't have very much success. That four yards, or you know, right at four yards per carry, I want to say maybe it was upper threes, but that that was a little misleading. You you had a a nice run or two by Garcia and Alex Flynn, and then you had that sixteen yarder by Rajay Harris, where he really delivered a blow on the sideline. at the end of that run but uh, you know by and large the Pirates had very little success running the football um but with that being said you know really um really like what Javius Bond brought to the table four carries for 16 yards three catches for 31 yards and Mike Houston in today's weekly press conference uh, said that you know, he gave, uh, and actually, uh, now that I think about it, this may have been on the, the Inside EC Athletics show, but on one of those, uh, he said that we got to get him, uh, him being Javius Bond, the ball more. That has been the directive uh, from from him to Donnie Kirkpatrick and the offensive staff this week.
3: No no question about it. Those guys have been, uh, we had Marlon Gunn last year, and then when Javius Bond, we've been hearing in the fall camp, guys, that about bond uh, was it Patterson for the wide receiver. We heard a lot of good things about him, but bond is one that we heard a lot of running back and a true freshman. So,
0: and it was incredible about the bond. If you in the running back room, there is depth where receiver room, not so much. Uh, you, you, you got, you got, you know, Roger Harris, you've got Marlin Gunn, you've got green who transferred here from Georgia Southern with, with a lot of success down there. And bond, you know, getting – I'd have to look, but I believe he got the second-most playing time at running back after Harris this past week. That's correct. So, if he's doing that already against Michigan, it's a true freshman. How good is this kid going to be? I mean, this. what I was thinking. You know, I, I, you don't want to overhype somebody too soon. But, man, uh, I, I can't wait to see how he develops over the next year or two.
1: And one of the things that I like is the way we got the ball in his hands in a variety of ways. Um, Pay said run the sweep with Bond, you know, and we lined him up in the backfield and handed it off to him, uh, but then also you know, lined him up in the slot, threw it to him, um, motioned him across, it seems like, or at least handed it to him on a jet sweep, and um, and then lined him up in the backfield and threw a swing pass to him, uh, you know, screen screen pass. So um, hopefully we'll continue to uh, to do that. And, uh, you know, by Coach Houston's comments, that will certainly be the case. Um after seven touches last week, I'll set the. Uh, what, what do you think? I'll, I'll set the over/under this week for the number of touches, both in the run game and the, the, receiving game, uh, pass game to, um, what maybe thirteen and a half, fourteen <laughs> and a half.
0: Know, I, dude, the, the, we got to figure out a way. You know, I wish we had more depth at receiver, but we got the. You, you, he's a playmaker. Gunns a playmaker. Harris is a playmaker. You, you. You've seen Green make plays at Georgia Southern, I, so I don't know what to set the over under at. I mean, times he's gonna to touch the ball, but he's got to touch it more. Uh, but then you, you you still got Marley Gunn Jr., who's who, who can make plays. And like I said, I don't. Did Green even play against Michigan?
1: He did. Um, I think both of these came late in the game, perhaps on that final drive when the okay. Pirates kicked, kicked the thirty three yard field goal. But uh, looking at the box score after the game, he he did have two receptions and um, did Gerald Green, the Georgia Southern transfer.
0: Okay. So uh, that's good. So we got three running backs and I I'm not sure how good gun is at catching the ball. I don't remember, but we know Roger Harris is, is, is pretty good catching ball at the backfield bond is. We know that. And, uh, apparently green is also. So, uh, that's interesting. You may see a lot of passes to the running backs this year, which I actually am a big fan of.
1: Yeah. As am I, um, so, Kyle, as you t- and take a look at this game, you know, really? Uh, were there anything else that, uh, that you had to say about this matchup between the, the Pirates and Thunder and Herd uh, before we wrap this up? No. Um, you know, I, I thought
0: Marshall was going to be really good before the season started. They did not look it against Albany. I, I don't know how much was that was them being vanilla or overlooking Albany or if they're not as good as I thought they were going to be. My um, guess is going to fall somewhere in between. They ain't quite as good as I thought they were going to be, but ain't nowhere near as bad as they were against Albany. Um, so I think it's going to be a tough matchup. Nothing would surprise me in this game. Um, honestly, this is a game that I think could come down to the wire. I, I, my prediction is to go to overtime, and uh, the Pirates win it in overtime. But nothing would really surprise me. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they beat us by a couple of touchdowns. It wouldn't surprise me if we beat them by a couple of touchdowns. But my gut tells me it's going to be a close game. It's going to come down to a wire, to the wire, and uh, whoever makes plays and doesn't make, whoever makes the most plays, and makes the least mistakes. It's going to come away with the victory.
1: Before we wrap it up, well, let's promote some of our upcoming content as well as some of our historical content. On so Kyle, tell folks what you and Stevie Fly have headed their way on tomorrow night on Just Another Sports Podcast.
0: Yeah, tomorrow night, eight o'clock. join me and Stevie for just another sports podcast. We're going to have on Andrew bodenheimer Bodie, who played multiple games against Marshall, two overtime games against him in 2011 and 2012. So we'll talk about his memories of playing the Thunder and herd and we'll also have former ECU wide receiver Hunter Gallimore on to talk about his career at East Carolina. So uh, join me and Stevie tomorrow night for just another sports podcast as we talk East Carolina Marshall, we talk East Carolina wide receivers, and uh, just talk college football week two as a whole.
1: Taking a look at some of our other programming uh, last night, and uh, we had um, an edition of Absolute Empowerment, a uh, tremendous conversation with Jeff Connors and um, T-Cop, T- Terrence Copper, former Pirate wide receiver who also went on to, to a nice career in the NFL with the Chiefs, Saints, and uh, I think other teams. But um, definitely go back and check that out. Uh, of course, now you're watching the Pirate Preview Tomorrow, uh, in addition to just another sports podcast, we'll have Sonny and Semenza uh, with their week two picks on Thursday. uh, We'll have the inside slant on Friday, a Pirate's Life for me uh, with John McMillan. Uh, We were going to bring that to you a week ago, but um, just with traveling to Michigan, um, was not able to upload that in time. So we have that for you this week, um, about a 85-minute conversation with John McMillan, who, you know, who graduated from East Carolina back in the, the early to mid-70s um, and has seen more than 40 years of Pirate football and really went to every game for about a 10- to 12-year stretch there during the Steve Logan tenure. Uh, got to know Coach Logan and, um, and, and his parents pretty well. Um, sights and sounds, and we'll have sights and sounds from around Dowdy Ficklin Stadium for the Marshall game of course but we also have sights and sounds from Ann Arbor from around Michigan Stadium go back and check that out and then Sunday night we'll have the Pirate football playback as we talk about what has taken place between the Pirates and Thundering and Heard on Saturday afternoon four o'clock kickoff on ESPNU and by the way guys a couple uh, programming notes uh-
3: Close to home for me. Obviously, tomorrow night we have a big show um, here on the Sports Objective, not sports-related. Also, 6-8 is we're working really hard to get our hospital back open, uh, so we'll make sure that you tune in for that. For or If you know anybody who lives in the Williamston-Martin County area, um, let them know about that for sure. And then Friday night football, we have uh, Martin County Football hosting Southside, the Ch- Chaka area, folks. So, uh, looking forward to that, to our very own Charles Smith and legendary uh, North Carolina high school athletic association hall of famer and ECU coach as well. And that will be Harold Robinson. We'll be having the call starting at six forty on Friday night. And you can watch that game on Facebook or YouTube. And don't forget as always for everything to subscribe to our YouTube channel. So very busy fall guys. Uh, appreciate you guys very much, Bubba. Thank you. Um, and by the way, the, uh, the new shows we have this year have been excellent. So uh, make sure that you always uh, do that for us, Justin. Yeah. And
0: also one more programming uh, episode two of the coaches kid is out. Uh, We interviewed Terry Holland's daughter, Kate, and uh, it is, it is out now you can find it on YouTube and uh, anywhere else you listen to our, our, our podcast. And uh, I think it's a fantastic conversation. I particularly enjoyed the middle and the second half of it. So check that out if you haven't listened to it yet.
3: I'm gonna um that's my plan too. I haven't listened to that particular episode yet. So uh,
1: thank, thank you, Brad. In, in, objective as well. And John, and JR, uh very very quickly, uh he says nice work, um Bob and Kyle and the coach's son last night. Uh, uh Bobby, you I can think, take credit I, for that. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say I th- I think uh <laughs> I think Kate Holland Baynard, uh I think she I think she's offended Johnny. But no, uh Kid, yeah. yeah appreciate it uh, and definitely have gotten that uh, show off to a tremendous start with with uh, Tommy Bowden and, and now uh, Kate holland uh, the one of the two daughters of Terry and Ann Holland. Uh, great
3: stuff. Great work. And we've got a lot of great shows, episodes. of guys are planning behind the scenes. I know it's going to be fantastic and something you can do, for, uh, a show that you can do year-round. So great stuff. All right, uh, Brad. Brad Williams says Modelo time is near. Uh, you go enjoy those Modelos, uh, Brad and uh, guys. Uh, do you have anything? Yeah, that's you? kind of an
1: inside joke, Dave. Um, directed directed to my dad.
3: Oh, okay. I didn't. I, I'm learning something here. Inside joke there. Uh, by the way, we have a tailgate and we got some great food from Porky's Backyard Barbecue. So, stop by and see us on Saturday. Kyle, I hope you can and Bubba, y'all can stop by. We're gonna have uh, wings, barbecue. I think even some sausage dogs too. Uh, I really love their sausage dogs, so stop by and see us. We'd love to have you. We're at near the practice field, uh, towards the Ward Sports Medicine Building, that end of the practice field, if you will. Um, so come by and see us. Tell them your space. I believe it's forty-one off the top of my head, um, but it's uh, it's like I said, it's towards the end of. Uh, it's the practice field in near the Ward sports medicine building closer to that is where our tailgate spot is
1: yeah. but between where the teams dropped off for the pirate walk and, yeah.
3: uh, in ward. Yeah, exactly. So that, and it's not the baseball end of, uh, with the premium lot, it's closer to ward. Uh, so I, I believe it's off the top. I had 41, but we'll uh, check that out guys. Uh, I know that we've been going a little bit long, but I appreciate, uh, Certainly Keith and uh, Matt had to run, unfortunately, but I appreciate Matt. Do you guys uh, – I know uh, – are we going to wait on predictions for the game? We're going to do that on Thursday night? Yeah, we'll do that on Thursday. Okay, for the inside slant. All right, just want to double-check that. Uh, by the way, and uh, Hall of Famer from Pirate Radio, Monica Keith. Monica, thank you so much. You're a Hall of Famer, along with Kyle. Appreciate your insights every week. On the as a matter of fact, I was driving back on listening to the fifth quarter after the game on Saturday, and it was really cool. I told my mom, I said, "This is uh, really cool that you can listen to the fifth quarter." We got such a long road ahead of us to get back to home in Williamson, north of Greenville, but it was nice to have uh, the fifth quarter. It made me feel like I was at home, uh, as corny as that may sound. Driving home, it was good company, company for sure on the road. All right, guys. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? Not a thing. Just ready for Saturday. Going to be a lot of fun. Get your tickets 1 800 dial ECU. Let's make Coleman Spain and all the great folks in the ticket office who do a. I tell Coleman all the time they have a thankless job. They do an excellent job uh, with tickets. Make sure that you call them. Let's make them work hard. And let's. Uh, I would love to have a sellout. I know it's probably not going to be a sellout, but um, what else are you doing if you're a Pirate fan on Saturday? Uh, Come out and support the Pirates 4 o'clock on ESPNU. Of course, great job again by Jim Zocchi uh, with the Pirate Sports Radio Network. And, of course, uh, Kevin Monroe will be back with a home game on Saturday. David Horn and Macy O'Donnell as well. So make sure that you check them out on Saturday. All right, guys, appreciate it very much. We'll be back. uh, The guys have it tomorrow night uh, for just another sports podcast. And, of course, Sonny and Semenza and much more. Keep it right here you've been watching the pirate preview on the sports objective and listening as well right here good night everybody and go pirates
2: my is
3: and soul
1: don't up the knows that a team got back this is
3: Every one I copy that Everybody gonna see it's gonna speed that
1: but be don't hold back Every foot, every yard, every first down, every touchdown with the cannons blast Get it on, get it all, get the wind going, let like the hurricane y'all